Good morning. It's time for Awaken with Dr. Joe and Mark Hullcraft. Awaken airs the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with the Executive Director of Real Presence Radio, Mark Hullcraft, and his brother, Dr. Joe Hullcraft, Professor and Director of the High Calling Program at the Avila Institute. Together with a mix of national and local personalities, connecting examples in church history, contemporary relevance, and lively witness of the saints, Mark and Joe will share how the Holy Spirit is working to awaken in all of us a deeper sense of what we are made for, a life in Christ. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, thank you for this morning. We ask that your Holy Spirit would guide us, open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to your Holy Word, and open our eyes, ears, and our hearts to a relationship with you. May your Word move from our minds to our heart, to our soul, and penetrate those areas that are in most need of it, because we know that your Word is healing, your Word is truth, your word is charity. We know we are in need of each and all of these things. The Holy Spirit, pour over us and fill us anew with you and let it overflow so that it would pour out onto others. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay, Joe. We're gonna. We're actually. We're gonna jump. We're jumping a little bit, and that's uh, a little news for our listeners and for Awaken. Uh, we, if they've been following us, we were last left with Matthew chapter twelve, and we're jumping today to Matthew chapter sixteen. Yes, Jesus asks a few questions between chapters twelve and sixteen from Matthew, uh, but Joe, I, as you and I have discussed and, uh, and and kind of prayed through, and I think we're at a just uh, a different point. Uh, that th- this will be, this is uh, our third show out from when Awaken will be done, huh? Yeah. And so we, uh, we're going to take a look today. This is what kind of prompted within our conversation. Uh, okay, what, what, what's a question? You know, tough to say what question is more important than the others. But I think part of what stands out about this question, which that question is, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And then Jesus would go on to say, two uh two lines later in scripture uh but who do you say that i am so we're going to discuss the significance of that but then we're going to go into two more programs of awaken that's going to tie into the eucharistic revival and the centrality importance of the eucharist and so uh joe i really appreciated your insight how this particular question of jesus is is a profound lead-in to a deeper reflection on the Eucharistic revival, why the revival? Uh, we've been hearing a lot about it. We've certainly been talking about it on Real Presence Radio and on Real Presence Live. Uh, a lot of the EWTN programming has centered around the Eucharistic revival. We've been very blessed uh, to get insights from our local bishops from around the area, not least of which Bishop Cousins, Joe, who is uh, the chair of the board and, and really an instigator in getting the Eucharistic revival going. So we've been very blessed with Real Presence Radio to really dive into that. Uh, all that being said, Joe, as I said, let's dive into this. Um, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 20, and we'll dive in. 
When Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Messiah. I Amen. can only imagine, Joe, if I'm in that space. You know, I I have to go back to, of course, you know, sometimes a visual for a movie can be helpful, and sometimes it's actually not so helpful because the imagination hmm. is, is really what the Lord wants to stir. Sure. But the, a visual I have from a movie long ago is seeing Jesus having this conversation with his apostles and really his his close, his close ones, although it says he, he asked his disciples, and around a fire, around a fire at the end of the day, they've been sent and they're coming back. And now he's, he's just, he's feeling them out, you know, but it's so much more than just that. Talk to me, Joe. Hmm. Yeah. And there's, as we were noting before, Mark, before we came on air, there, there's so much here, these sets of verses. And I just wanted to say before we jump into this that uh, I'm not alone in saying this. This probably is just not a very important question among the many, but probably the foundational question to the many. Because if you don't get this question right, then all the other questions will fail. Because this question is about essentially claiming who Jesus is, not in the abstract, but in our personal lives, not in the just the intellectual realm, but but in the personal realm, the heart realm. Exactly. And so to, to get then at this question, Mark, you're right in suggesting the other question is very important because he does want to get to know, you know, what people out there are, are saying. But for the sake of needing to know what people are saying about him, did he... Did he need a self-esteem boost? No. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> this was to set to up a, another question. Yeah. Right? Yes. Um, who do the people say that I am? Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And then, who do you say that I am? Right? So when Jesus inquires concerning the opinion of people in general, then, Mark, we can say he's referring to himself obliquely as the Son of Man. But when he asks his disciples the question, he's saying, who do you say that I am? So be before he asked his followers their opinion, Jesus wanted to know whether they could segregate themselves from the faceless crowd at the level of essential knowledge concerning himself. And really, Mark, this is what this, uh, these sets of verses are about. Um, so as the focus shifts from people in general to the to the apostles themselves, our Lord's manner of referring to himself then shifts from a, a third-person objective title to this first-person 
very, very intimate pronoun, especially in the Greek. You certainly can get a sense of it, but in the Greek, it's, it's very intimate. It's divine intimacy. It, it, is this, it is if Jesus is saying to, uh, you know, to his apostles, you know, I, I can understand if, it, it, if people out there outside of my circle of familiarity are mistaken in how they view me. But you, you on the other hand, who have lived with me day by day, now for so long, you who have heard me speak and, and have prayed with me and have listened to me teach, who have sat with me at table and witnessed all of my, all of my, all of my miracles, who do you say that I am? Right? So I know that there's people out there saying this, that, and the other thing about me. But who do you say that I am? Mark, I mean, from the days of Jesus to today, there is no doubt a tendency, and, and mea culpa, I, I think we have all slipped into this tendency, to talk about Jesus within the context of what other people are saying. Did you hear what someone said about uh, Jesus and his church, this saint or that, you know, the other saint? Our conversations tend to be external. They don't tend to focus on the interior life. Moreover, Often the conversation fails to get at the heart of what our faith is about, which is who Jesus is, Mark, to you, to me, to us, on a personal, intimate, deep level. And how can we claim that? How can we begin to claim who Jesus is? Well, what did Jesus say? The flesh of man has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. If we are going to get at the intimate mysteries of Jesus, who Christ actually is, certainly, yes, we can do this by study, no doubt. But first, prayer. Prayer is going to open up all of those new vistas and avenues to better understand who Jesus is and make those radical, outrageous, extreme claims that Jesus actually is our Lord and Savior, the Messiah, the Anointed One. There are a lot of things, Mark, in our life where if we only <laughs> responded to them within the context of claiming Jesus as number one in our life, everything would just be, well, so much better, but on another level, so much more difficult. That would be a whole other radio program. Yeah. But the reality <laughs> is... The reality is, Mark, and, and this is so important to this verse, that Peter draws from what but his Father in heaven, the rich knowledge from his Father in heaven to make this great claim. And this is what we need to be doing as well. And, and just not about who Jesus is in our personal life. Certainly, that's first and foremost, as I just emphasized. But then also to take that claim out into the world. And it could be within the context of apologetics, it can be in our teaching faith, in our, in our preaching faith, but also those whom we encounter on the margins, the homeless and otherwise. You know, we can kind of turn that question inside out. Jesus asks us, who do you say that I am? We can then, if we take ownership of that question, claiming Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of the living God, we can then turn that question around. And maybe when we see the homeless ask the question, who are you to me? 
I think we can properly answer that question if we claim Jesus to be who he is, because to the homeless person we say, who are you to me? Rightfully, the answer is Jesus, because that's what Jesus said. So, so but go ahead. You, go ahead. Go. I, yeah, I was just saying, in this narrative, Mark, if we can just establish as a foundation the importance of understanding Jesus moves from the people to the you, that is you, me, and the next person, right? Um, as, as, as central to this discussion. And, and note, as just by way of postscript, Mark, what I love about this passage, and I, I wouldn't want to miss this, as it goes from the people to, to, to who do you say that I am, in this case, of course, the you is, is the apostles, he, he then actually shifts to Peter. He's now speaking in the singular, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the you, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the, the you was, was a group to the apostles. And then he, and then Peter responds with you, you are the Messiah, the Son, living God. And then Jesus goes on this series of yous, but singular yous to Peter. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. And, I, and so I say to you, you are Peter. I will give you the keys. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So another very important point, Mark, because as he's saying to, to, to the church, who do you say that I am? As sons of God, we need to claim that in the singular, in the personal, in the intimate, in the familiar. Invaluable. What and. A picture that you're painting, Joe, and it's it's the picture and wisdom of the church, is that there is a sense of personalness. Uh, it is personal too. It be, personal, not in the way of the modern context of how we take it, but that when Jesus, in this moment, establishes the rock, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You are Peter, and upon this rock, you know, Peter, the Greek word of Peter is Petros, which means rock. You know, uh, is in please correct me if I'm wrong. Kephos, that means rock in Hebrew. Um, and so I say to you, you are Peter. You are the rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. Jesus, in a certain sense, establishes the papacy. Peter being the first pope, with it, it was a very personal moment. Not personal in that it was meant to be hidden and just for Jesus and Peter, or you know, personal as in. We internalize the feelings maybe in such a way that it's just for us. But no, it's personal in that the exchange, something very significant is happening. This is a profound, and this is, I love how you broke open really what Jesus is revealing to Peter, this revelation, and uh, that it was revealed by his heavenly father. And the significance, Joe, of this is how do we engage that? And you spoke about prayer. And for us, it is absolutely significant. Uh, and I say for us, all of our listeners, you and myself, uh, we engage this reality deeper and I think it becomes more tangible when we put ourselves in front of Jesus. We just, we situate ourselves, we make those decisions and, and choices to put ourselves before the Lord to let him move and to let the Father reveal himself, reveal his love to us, uh, reveal the kind of relationship he's calling us to as his sons and daughters. And while there is that, the significance of the familial connection, uh, and yet the Father desires something deeply personal. He desires that deep exchange, knowing it's going to breathe in us life. It's going to be that the only thing that really 
provides the fulfillment that we're made for. So th these are not small things that we're saying or suggesting, nor was it small as the church has taught these things, right, from generation to generation. Um, and it, it really is, Joe, this is the, one of those scriptures. It's, it's so, <laughs> as you said in the very beginning, there's so much to it. It actually is kind of tough to get your head around. Yeah, it, it is. But if we can just break it up simply, you know, yeah, there's a, there, there are theological dimensions to this. One is what would be considered ecclesial, ecclesiological dimension, which is certainly a very rich theology that surrounds Peter and him being given the keys and so on and so forth. But there's another theology here at play, Mark, and that is the spiritual theology. And what lies at the heart, what lies at the heart of spiritual thought is spiritual theology. If spiritual theology can be distilled in one great truth, it is this, that God desires, we desire God as much as God desires us, right? And so, as St. Teresa of Avila would suggest, if we can enter into this mystery of desire, um, then we can claim the most important truth. And that truth is being able to call Jesus friend, right? What we're talking about here, Mark, and I know we touched upon this for sure in our discussion on intercessory prayer, because you can't pray well for others if you don't claim first Jesus is friend. Exactly. Um, Jesus desires friendship, right? He desires friendship. What did I just say? It's... <laughs> Jesus wants us to understand that there's a reason why he set up this question with the other question. Okay, who who do they say that I am? Who, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? Those people who did not eat with me, sleep with me, listen to me, <laughs> see my miracles, who do you say that I am? Right? Who do you, who I desire to call friend, say that I am? And inside of that friendship, Mark, builds a beautiful relationship. And certainly we can all get a sense, all of our listeners can get a sense of what we're talking about right now, right? Because we all have um, just not friends, but also uh, those set of friends that we call best friends, or maybe that one friend who we call best friend. I mean, think about that relationship. Think about that friendship. Uh, maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your sibling. Maybe it's your next door neighbor you grew up with. Um, think about everything that that friendship embodied, embodied and now elevate that to its highest level. I mean, ultimately, that's what Jesus desires. And, Joe, and certainly this, this is why he reveals himself to us. The, oh, this, and, and we're, you're diving into the significance of relationship. We, we got to go on a break, Joe. Let's pick up on this. When we come back on the other side of the break, see you in a couple minutes. Don't go. How are we doing, Joe? Uh, we're good. Oh, I, we're good. I've got like... I've got like 15 notes that I was, we can get into Mark, yeah. and we've into <laughs> th three of them, so. Uh, um. I like where you're going with friendship, and, and I think we can even, we come back, we could probably actually even wrap that up a little bit. Um, I don't know if you wanted to get into ecclesiology, or if you even wanted to get into more of the context, 
uh, of, of the I, scripture passage? Yeah, I there's two things, Mark. We'll wrap up friendship. I mean, I, I just mentioned there's two realms of theology. I don't know if we need yep. to get into the to the ecclesiology okay. um, because that doesn't. Um, but I, I think the larger context, I think something we should get into, Mark, is the next set of verses. The fact that he says in a few verses, get behind me, Satan, because he's telling him he should not go to Jerusalem to suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can be in this beautiful relationship. But then how is it that Jesus says this? You know, that, that, I think that can be an important reflection. To, Before to, we dive into see. that, can we give a quick shout out to um, then uh, kind of the context of scripture, but this idea of staying grounded. Uh, because there's there's a few things in the passages before this that Jesus is hinting at false prophets. Um, yeah, yeah. Because I think that, yeah, that, would be, that very thing yeah. behind the Satan ties right into that. Yeah. Or it can anyway. I know it's not the only, but... Sure, sure. Okay. Welcome back to Awaken. If you're just tuning in, this is Mark Holcraft joined with Dr. Joe Holcraft. We're talking uh, really the beginning of the papacy, (laughs) Peter's confession about Jesus. When Jesus asks a question, first, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Referring to himself as the Son of Man. And then he makes it personal. He funnels it in. He brings it in and says, but who do you say that I am? And then he goes on further and I'm basically giving a synopsis of some of Joe's insights in our first segment, but Joe, it's all good. He goes in further to say, and who you, who do you, Peter, uh, say that I am? And Peter makes the profound confession, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And just the nature of relationship, a relationship with the Lord. Um, it, it was not Jesus' intent to keep the relationship surfacy, you know, or, or to keep it, you know, just at a point of communal. But he, divine, he, he desires that closeness with us. And Joe, as you said, that divine intimacy. And that, for some, that's a scary thing. You know, mm-hmm. you know we're, we speak of intimacy. And, and I, there's a friend of mine who offers a, a kind of phonetic breakdown of that word that I think is profound, into me see, this intimacy. Mm-hmm. And that we would mm-hmm. allow ourselves to be seen by Jesus and what might be even more um, mind-boggling is that Jesus would allow himself to be seen by us. Hmm. The Son of God, the Son of Man, allows himself to be seen, exposed. And Joe, I mean, we're, we're talking, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but, you know, fair game right in there. Um, where do we experience one of the most profound ex- encounters of this divine intimacy with Jesus? But in Eucharistic adoration, also known as exposition, where Jesus is exposed to us. So as we're talking about prayer and relationship and friendship and what Jesus is inviting us into, what he's inviting Peter into, uh, 
there's such a profound significance. And before the break, Joe, we were you were starting to get into really what the, the, the nature then of these kind of relationships, not only first that we would have with Jesus and with God the Father, but then what that does to our relationships amongst each other. You know, the significance of brother, sister, husband, wife, uh, and fathers to their children and the friendships, neighbors to our uh, parishioners at church. Um, The relationships between Catholics and non-Catholics, what are we doing? And there is still always the Father desires an intimacy with us and amongst us. Yeah, what is true in our friendships with those around us, Mark, um, whether they be distant or close, certainly those um, that are close, is always um, greater and more true with Jesus. So if we talk about close friendships, however we talk about our close friendships, uh, certainly we can always talk about those in, in, in a similar way to Jesus, but with Jesus, because he is uh, friend par excellence, everything that is good in our friendships is realized in its fullness in Jesus. Um, you know, you're, you're mentioning of adoration, Mark. I, I wouldn't say that's a tangent. In fact, it, it really gets into the heart of how we can build that relationship, right? Because if, yeah, friendships, if friendships are about, you know, spending time with one another, then alongside of the Mass itself, how better can we spend time with Jesus than in the Blessed Sacrament? Um, and so we're, we're talking about this, Mark, because... Uh, what does St. Teresa of Avila say that um, to, to pray is to be on terms with friends, with uh, friends with God, right? To, to be able to call Jesus friend. Uh, it was what Mark John chapter 15, verse 15, where Jesus says, and I don't know if this is verbatim, but close enough, you know, no longer do I call you servant. For the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So that's a very important verse, Mark, because, I mean, think about what Jesus said to the apostles. All that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Right? This, this making known, this quality of being made known, this is what gets us back to uh, this beautiful truth of what Jesus says to Peter. Uh, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has. This is the stuff of friendship. Th- this is the stuff of intimacy. This is the stuff of getting at the core of how we live our lives. You know, Mark, why did I get into or reference the homeless? Because if we are on terms uh, of friends with Jesus, or if we can call Jesus friend, then everything we do each and every day, everything we say, uh, a meeting, all of our encounters, right, is about living it out in relationship to calling Jesus friend. So when I see a homeless person, if Jesus is in mind and heart, and the Father is revealing himself to me in that moment when I see this homeless person, I can rightfully ask and claim with conviction, who is this person to me? Who are you to me? And not some disparaging tone, but asking that question, okay, Lord, how are you going to reveal yourself to me in this person who's dressed in rags, right? How, and let's, let's, let's turn this around, Mark. 
Um, Jackie and I are, are going to a uh, Piano Guys concert tonight. Looking forward to that, right? And we'll be in the company of, of certain people. Why not then ask the question, whoever I sit next to, who are you to me? Right? It doesn't have to be a person dressed in rags. It can be a person dressed in a suit. Right? Who are exactly. you to me? If, if we can ask that question, Mark, then we are going to be living out this call we have, each and every one of us, to become a saint, right? Because inside of that question, which is really an outgrowth of responding to the question, who do you say that I am? Inside of that question, who are you to me, is the living reality of the Paschal mystery made present. The Paschal mystery made present. The living reality of the Paschal mystery. Because the Paschal mystery is what we know it and understand it to be, Mark. This beautiful revelation of the Trinity from, from, from birth to the ascension and everything in the middle that all of our encounters should reflect that. An unveiling of the glory of God. Who do you say that I am? You are the Son, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You are the, the fulfillment of every desire. And I want that fulfillment to pass through each and every encounter, each and every conversation I have, every meeting, every single circumstance that I find myself in each and every day, that every single moment of each and every day is pregnant with eternal significance. That, we will see that, Mark, if, if, if we are living in friendship with Jesus. Joe, this is some of the significance and you know a phrase that comes to mind it's kind of this is the dangerous wonder behind the nature of a relationship with the Lord if you were to encapsulate what you just said in the context of and he wants to be in relationship with us it's no I like longer, that phrase by the way mark dangerous wonder oh <laughs> well, it could, it could, because I, I, I like that phrase you're telling, it, it's not without an adventure you know, sure. yeah. Yeah. I, I you know when when in doubt, there's a few movies I default to. One of them being Lord of the Rings, or in this case, The Hobbit. Right when um, Gandalf goes to visit Bilbo, and it, it, Bilbo first speaks of adventures. Those are nasty things, you know. But Gandalf, mm -hmm. being a great figure, uh, a great Christ-like figure, says, "You were made for more than that. You used to be. You used to remember that adventure was a good thing." And then this, this really, I mean, it's the phrase, it's, and this idea of dangerous wonder, it's not mine. It's what comes to mind, but there's a former youth minister years ago, a guy named Mike Iaconelli, uh, who really, that's where I first heard that phrase. But that nature of, you know, pun intended, holy smokes, <laughs> you know, in that sense of what you just shared, that's what we're being invited into. How can it not be personal in the context of what I shared earlier? Joe, I, I want to jump into, because uh, I think you had really good insight. We were talking quickly over the break about what comes right after this, right? What comes, mm. uh, we're in verses 13 to 20 in, in Matthew chapter 16, but what picks up on verses 21, 22, 23? But before we can get into that, just to dig a little bit further into well, what led up to this, uh, what led up to Jesus making this profound uh, asking this profound question that's deeply personal, uh, and and we see the beginnings 
of, of these apostles, the beginnings almost really of the bishops. You know, when we're seeing the beginnings of this in yeah. this deeply beautiful conversation. And, uh, but prior to that, you know, Jesus is warning his apostles, his first bishops, hey, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And he's sticking with this analogy of bread, which is just interesting. But he's getting at something of thoughts have seeds, ideas have seeds. And sometimes those seeds, even if they're not of me, can grow and will grow. And they can gain some steam. Uh, Tying into a little bit earlier of bewaring of false prophets. Um, Why is he saying these things? I think, Joe, there's just something so significant. The intimacy and the importance of relationships so that we can know truth from untruth. Uh, that that, That can do harm. And he's saying, like, it's... Stay close to me. I want to be close to you, clearly. He leaves us the gift of the mass. He wants to be not just close to us, but in us. And, and I think a big part of that is, hey, gird yourselves, be ready, know me. I'm going to know you. I know you. And it, it builds up to this. And then 21, and Joe, we have just a few minutes to dig into this the first prediction of the passion where we see from that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly for the elder, from the elders, the chief priests and the scribes. Okay, Joe, he just warned them, beware of their, uh, beware, yeah. uh, of their leaven. And now he knows he needs to go see them. And he, he's starting to plant the seed. I'm going to be killed. And on the third day, so then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. And then, ooh, and as you say, Joe, Goocher, Goocher here, he turns around and says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. Well, he just got done saying, stop thinking as humans do. When he said, beware of the leaven, they're like, oh, well, that must be because we didn't bring bread. You know, and yeah. I, I'm coming off, I don't mean to be coming off descending of the apostles because that's, that would have been me. Oh, I don't sure, get it. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. And he's saying, and do you not remember these great miracles, it's not about literally the bread, but the bread of yeah. life. He's hinting at something so much more. Uh, but this, this first prediction and then him taking Peter, Peter taking Jesus aside saying, God forbid, uh, Joe, he, he's priming the pump here. Yeah, and maybe we should think about um, some friends we had in, in grade school, in junior high, high school, or maybe if we're old enough in college, Friends that we we considered very close, Mark, um, and now we hardly remember them as friends, right? But if you mm-hmm. were to ask, you know, if I'll just put myself in this example, um, Mark, uh, my bre- my best friend growing up, you know, was Clarence, right? I haven't talked yeah. to Clarence, and well, I spoke with him once actually a couple of years ago. We spoke briefly, um, but you know, last thirty years. It's, just that one time, and boy, we spent every day together for about ten years. Yeah, I would have, I would have never dreamed of, of being so distant. Yet when you're in, when, when you're close with someone, you would say, "What? Oh man, best friends forever, dude." You know? Yeah, yeah. So why do I talk about this? Because in our relationship with Jesus, we might consider him to be our best friend, right? And no doubt. Um, hopefully right now we're saying, I'm never leaving you. And by the grace of God and only 
only by the grace of God maybe hold that to be true. Um, but the reality is, Mark, however close we are, as the saints remind us, as they would say in Italy, stai attento, you know, be, be careful. Be careful because um, as you just spoke to it, as ideas and, and thoughts have seeds, uh, so does the distancing of ourself from Jesus, mm. right? Yes. I've said it before, and I'm just echoing others. We don't go to mass or, or confession or live the sacramental life because we are holy. No, we we live the sacramental life because we lack holiness, which is to say we, we need more Jesus. Exactly. We recognize that if we're going to claim Jesus as friend, that we need more of him each day. Because if we stop praying, going to Mass, you will be, and unknowingly, you will be like Peter here. I, I, and, and he's, no, God, you can't do that. You have to fulfill this mission, this secular mission. And you can only see Jesus. <sighs> Peter. Oh, Peter. But he just <laughs> doesn't shake his head and say, you fool. No, he says, get behind me, Satan. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, Mark, there, when you look at get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me. Uh, you know, Satan, you know, that's a word that translates as as hindrance to confuse. It's de devil, diabolos. It's like a rock, throwing a rock in the middle of the road. So when we are, in, when, when we are a hindrance um, to ourselves and to others, um, with respect to making sure that we do God's will, allowing others to do God's will. Um, unfortunately, and this is what comes through clear here, Mark, unfortunately, um, we're not advancing the kingdom of God, but in fact, um, Satan's plans. Yeah, we become is, an, an agent for plans. the evil one. And, yep. and Joe, I, I, we got we to gotta take a break here in just a few seconds. So I, I'm cutting you off a little bit here, but I want to pick up because uh, I think this is... Uh, this is a clear point. When we come back from the other side of this break, Joe, let's let's hit on this before we dive into our saint of the day, um, because I, I think that's an important, uh, a very important acknowledgement that you're making right now. So stay with us on Awaken. We'll come back in just a couple minutes. As, as you're talking, and I don't know that I'll say this in the third segment per se, but as you're talking, I was just um, uh, kind of processing a little bit of uh, okay, the, the the nature that okay, this is, we have two more shows after this, yeah. um, and so in a certain sense, I think I'm anticipating a little bit of how do we send that off um, in in the phrase. Well, I had already, mind. yeah, I, I was already kind of. Uh, circling around that even in the beginning because I, I thought you were going to give more of a spill there mark so um i would say r register you know um as we're talking about peter register three to f give yourself give us three to four minutes just so you can reflect upon that and and, and i can say a few words too mark but i i, I do think it'd be good to say that um, in your prayer, you've, you, you know, and you, you don't have to give all the reasons, but in your prayer, you've discerned, um, you know, that, you know, 
Thanksgiving will be our last program and just maybe just give a sound bite to that as it's just simply nothing more than God moving. But I, I do think in your own personal life, I, I do think it'd be good to offer something there, Mark. Sure. Um, yeah. Thanks for starting your day with us. Now, back to more Awaken, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Welcome back to Awaken. Uh, you're listening to Mark Holcraft, joined with Dr. Joe Holcraft. Uh, Joe, just before the break, we were talking about in particular, the scripture verse, again, taken from Matthew chapter 16, verse 23, in the context of you are an obstacle to me, you are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. And I appreciate there's almost a kind of examination, Joe, almost a kind of examination in the conversation about what that means, the significance, if we are behaving in such a way that our thoughts and our actions are an obstacle to the Lord moving that it's not just that we're, um, you know, it's not just a, a mistake, though sometimes it is just a mistake. But if you're an obstacle to God's work and you're beginning in the way and you broke open even a little bit of what the word Satan means, the devil, Diablo, uh, in the sense of like evil, if we're an obstacle and we stand in the way of the Lord's plan, God's will, even if it is not, it doesn't make sense to us. It didn't make sense to Peter, right? Why would you go there to know that you're going to be killed? Um, but he's standing in the way, and he thought he was doing the Lord's bidding by saying, do not go there. God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. Um, Peter, who was so close to Jesus, you know, we've already established, having spent at this point probably a couple of years literally walking with him in his footsteps, Still not quite getting it, um, and, and God, Jesus, God, Mark, I just it, it's. I mean, think about the verses. It just really hits me right now as I'm just staring these at these verses. God forbid. Well, I've read these verses hundreds of times, but it just really stands out right now. God forbid, Lord. I mean, he. What is he saying there? God forbid, God. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like what, Mark. It is not perhaps the fundamental problem of discipleship. And we could say on a wider scale, the spiritual life in general, that despite, you know, I want to give Peter the benefit of the doubt here, <laughs> despite our ardent desire to serve God, serve God by following our Lord, by following Jesus, we really still secretly nurture an almost uh, insatiable conviction that we know better than God. <laughs> I mean, we want to love. <laughs> yes, I mean, we want to love God her heroically. We want to serve God heroically. You were, I think, referencing the movie Jesus of Nazareth er earlier. And Indeed. in this scene, yeah. you really get the sense that 
that, that Peter is stepping forward and, and wanting to be the hero here, right? But in the end, what is it? We do not trust that God is greater and wiser than we are. That he, that he knows us and our, and our circumstances better than we know ourselves. And therefore is actually quite capable of structuring every minute of our lives in the, bo- in the, in the best possible conceivable way. In other words, Mark, I think if we were to crystallize a point here, it's that our lack of trust makes us want to play the mature adult before God's profound, profound sense of radical love. And in the end, we easily forget the kingdom of God belongs to the childlike. Mark, what did we say in the beginning? Peter said what he said because he he entered into that moment and that singular moment in history with the disposition of a child. We know that because of what Jesus says. My Father in heaven has revealed this to you. And then in another singular moment, not, not the so rise and the after. fall, brother. The rise and the fall. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He says, get behind me, Satan. And so I, as we talk about this, what we were then, Mark, talking about, certainly to kind of cue you up here, is, is the person of St. Peter, right? Exactly. And, and all of his outrageous extremes, that what we're talking about here, Mark, is a man who was nonetheless a saint who came to mm-hmm. understand the truths that we were talking about in ways we have yet to realize, quite frankly, um, but yet we can begin to at least grapple at. As and I think it's important that we do, Joe, Peter. because we grapple of Peter, we grapple with Peter, we enter into the fray. Uh, and and this, this fray that we're called to as far as that relationship with Jesus, and we allow him into our ups and downs. We allow him in. <laughs> Uh, he is our rise, we are our fall, and he continues to pick us up. And that's, I come right back to your point of, you know, we live the sacramental life. We go to confession, we go to mass, not because we are perfect, but because we are sinners. And this is what he gives us and invites us into, you know, and, and, and he's, even in Peter's time, you know, Peter's relying on his own understanding there, you know, and the author of Proverbs says, you know, do not rely on your own understanding, and so we're reminded of that in, in the wisdom of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, we, the significance of that and the depth of that. And so how do we, and it's a little bit of full circle here, Joe, but how do we come back to that place, the disposition, we put ourselves in front of the Lord and we just let him work? Well, first, we need to give him our time and the significance of prayer. There's communal prayer and personal prayer. And Jesus is many times over and over he speaks to the importance of personal prayer just by his example of removing himself from his closest friends so that he could be with his father, the most significant yeah. relationship that he has. And giving witness yeah. to us of this is also the most significant relationship we will ever have. Alluding to your point earlier regarding you know, these, these friendships that we have growing up, they provide an insight into something significantly more. You take all the best of what is good in those friendships throughout life, even for those of us, you, know, you and I that are married, you know, in a certain sense, that is supposed to reflect the best of what our relationship with the Father, especially in the, the designs of intimacy, um, is to reflect 
a relationship that is more with the Father for us and with us. Um, and St. Peter points to that. You know, I've often heard uh, priests uh, preach of St. Peter, and there's a certain sense, sometimes they, pre- they preach with the, um, you know, gosh, Peter, Peter was, he was sometimes an idiot. You know, sometimes he really made some dumb moves. And I, um, the, the older I get and the more I dive into the faith, I, Joe, the more I can identify <laughs> with Peter sure. and just, as you, whether it's the ego or just stupid moments. Um, and yet, and yet Jesus, who knew all this, saw all this, still says, and upon this rock I will build my church. May it be so with me that he can say in some way or form, you know, I, I choose you and you're going to be an instrument. You're going to be an instrument. I'm obviously not going to be the rock to build this church. We already have the Pope, the papacy, but in that, in what does that look like for me, for you, for any of us tuning in right now? Uh, what can that look like? Well, Joe, a little bit about Peter. What do we know about Peter? I just want to share uh, a few details about him. One of the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ, one of the first leaders of the church, uh, first bishop of Rome. Uh, and I, I, I love that phrase. I think it's something we take for granted, uh, just in that the Pope is the bishop of Rome, uh, which is the, prim- the premier bishop, if you will, of the church. Um, and then it, it, just some basic things. When Peter died, he was crucified in Rome under crucified in Rome under Emperor, Emperor Nero. Uh, it, it, he Peter was the only apostle, and please correct me if I'm wrong on this, Joe. The only uh, eleven of the twelve died a martyrdom. Peter was the only one who died in the uh, upside down uh, cross manner because he did not feel he was worthy to die in the same way as Jesus. Um, these are some yeah, significant. John, please yeah, go ahead. John was the. I was going to say John was the only one that wasn't. But go ahead. Yeah. John was the only one that was not martyred. The the, the beloved disciple. Yeah. 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 And so those are some some key pieces of, of Peter that we know. We know he's a fisherman. We know in Luke chapter five, this is where we first see Peter on the scene when he first meets Jesus. And he's with uh, Peter is with his brother Andrew, and they're fishing uh, on the lakeside. And uh, Peter, or Jesus, meets him and says, throw your nets into the other side. Uh, there's something uh, very beautiful about that. It just obviously pointed to Jesus, in a certain sense, doesn't waste time. <laughs> he doesn't waste time. Uh, he wants to be in relation with, relationship with us now. But then the context of what we know about Peter is so often in relationship to Jesus. What Jesus also demonstrates, while he's not going to waste time, he engages it right away. He's right there. He is also demonstrates that he will wait. He will, he will love us and he will wait. He's going to invite us into the relationship right now, but he will also wait. And I think this is one of the, this is a significant thing that Peter shows us. And I think it's so significant that as Catholics, with he being our first Pope, the rock on which the, the church was built, that the significance that he calls us now and yet he will wait. But, and, and, and that wait and that act of love by waiting, it doesn't reduce the urgency of the invitation of relationship. And I think, Joe, we see all of this in the life of Peter. We've been discussing it, well, for the last hour, right? Hmm. Yeah, you know, and you're talking about the call, Mark. You know, he has this encounter. 
And what does he say? There's a very important verse. Uh, it's Luke. Uh, it's Luke chapter five, verse eight, I believe, um, where he says, um, "Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord." A very, very important point in in any story of conversion, right? Because inside of that statement, inside of that verse, is what but contrition to be truly sorry for your sin. Um, this is a huge point for any authentic, genuine conversion. And of course, uh, as you were just speaking to it, Mark, uh, as our Lord, our Lord's mercy is, is attracted to sin, right? Because he, he wishes to dispense his mercy to us who are sinners. Um, when he says this, he's, our Lord is drawn to it. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And so again, in his in his humanity, he says, "Depart from me." But in in our Lord's divinity, he says, well, "Actually, sin is the very reason why I've come." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't tell me yes. to depart. And there's something beautiful in this moment, Mark, because you know earlier I said Peter and Saint Peter is is just this manifestation of outrageous extremes, this kind of this kind of rambunctiousness that's disordered, yet there's something so very uh, real and human about him. Um, because inside of uh, all of the, that which we're talking about right, right now is this man, this man that we know to be St. Peter and his genuine pursuit. He's honest with himself. He's honest with his emotions. He's, he's honest with where he's at. He's going to wear it on his sleeves. And I, for one, Mark, have a great deal of respect for that. Sometimes, you know, if if we know someone like that, we wish they had a filter. But the reality is, <laughs> in the end, at least they're honest with themselves. And we've talked about the importance of the practical virtue of truthfulness, Mark. Um, this is, alongside of humility, the first practical virtue. Because if you can't identify a thing for what it is, then what do you have, right? So... To, to someone who's honest, that's that's a good thing. And, and maybe they're too honest and we shouldn't always say everything that we think. I get it. Certainly Satan, or uh, rather Peter, <laughs> who Jesus called Satan, right? <laughs> maybe he, he spoke out of turn. Maybe he should have been more discerning. But I, for one, Mark, I I feel Peter a little bit, right? And, and I have a great love for the man and, and a great just... Um, I don't know, just a, a real sense of appreciation for what we read in the narrative, um, narratives in the Gospels, especially this one. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. How important is that, Mark? Um, that as we talk about St. Peter, there's something, again, in that verse that we need to stay with and reflect with. Yeah. Um, and, there, and that's there, for all of us. There's that humility. You know, I mean, do we see the ego and then we see the ego being uh, called out within himself, right? Yeah. Um, and and yeah. that's a that's such a part of it. That's such a part of of the journey um, that Peter gives witness to for us. And I, I, I for one, am so thankful. You know, <laughs> he's the guinea pig out there that shows us he make he, he makes the mistakes uh, that to some to some extent, Joe, for us. You, myself, whomever, I don't want to say that we can hide behind, but I'm, I'm in, a, in a weird way, I'm thankful he made the mistakes to show me, okay? Uh, and as you said, it is Saint Peter. Uh, 
Joe, you mentioned earlier just a gratitude, and I, I'm I'm going to use that a little bit of a launching pad to move away from St. Peter for now, uh, and just to take this last minute or so of our program this morning to speak a little bit what I mentioned from the very beginning that this is the third to last program of Awaken, and just as a point of prayer and discernment, and you and I talked about that briefly, Joe. Uh, our last Awaken program on Real Presence Radio will be just prior to Thanksgiving. It'll be the ones the day before Thanksgiving. And so there certainly is uh, a spirit of gratitude and Thanksgiving for me in that. Um, in the significance of us, the, these last two Awaken programs for the, through the month of November, centering around uh, what is the center of our faith in that being the Eucharist and the Eucharistic revival. Um, but just a couple of words in regards to uh, I am thankful, Joe, for the nature of these of these uh, this program with you, these shows. Um, for those listening, I love that they joined us and they'll continue to listen to um, uh, who would be on the network program. But this is the, what comes to my mind is the nature of holy conversation, Joe, and that's really what this is. People, if they know us, this is kind of how we talk a lot. Anyway, mm-hmm. we could be goofy too. But there's a significance there. Joe, we got we got to wrap up in 10 seconds, so I'll leave it there. The nature of holy conversation. St. Peter, pray for us. Pray for us. Joe, that, that went by very fast. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I mean, what you said was was good. I, I, I think, and, and this will be for you to, to think about, Mark, um, you might get some questions as far as uh, the why, you know, it, and it, it, I think you could, um, it, it might serve you to just offer up 30 seconds or maybe a minute about just that this has been a point of, of discernment for you um, in your own vocational journey. Um and and just kind of just leave it at that and for you know as i say that that that's what it was so um because